Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, and welcome to Shelf Logic. My name is Caroline. My name is Lexis. And today we have a podcast that we have been very excited for. Um, we are doing a kind of recap reaction podcast to Twilight. So um, just as kind of a preface, this book has been out for do we 18, 18 years? Yeah. So um, just kind of going into this, know that this is going to be very spoiler heavy. Um, if you have not read or watched Twilight, you may just want to like skip this one. If you plan to read it, um, come back to this po- episode of the podcast when you're ready, because I don't think we can even begin to talk about this without kind of giving a lot away. Um, but again, it's been out for 18 years, so we've had, we've had lots of time to digest. Yeah, impressive if you have avoided spoilers up to this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, because it's, it's been a very huge like cultural kind of staple over the past 18 years. So we are very excited. We're going to talk a little bit about like what brought us to this, like doing this episode of the podcast, and then obviously get into our thoughts. <laughs> so Lexis, do you want to tell us about your experience with Twilight? Yeah, so this was actually my first time ever reading Twilight. When it really blew up when I was in middle school and high school, a lot of my friends were reading it, but I was such a strong Harry Potter kid, and the two were being pitted against each other during that time so much. So I was like, I'm through and through a Harry Potter kid. I'm not going to even touch Twilight. Yeah, and I was a little bit of a hater about Twilight for a long time, like looking down on people who liked it, and I definitely am not that way now. I totally understand this is my first time reading it. I have seen the first movie and bits and pieces of some of the other ones. So I am, I was aware going into it of like the general plot points, but yeah, first, first time going in fully. So exciting. Uh, and then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, this is, um, my first reread of Twilight. I read Twilight for the first time I was trying to pin it down. I think it was the summer between eighth and ninth grade for me. So very much the right age for what this book was aimed at at the time. Um, And then I made it my entire personality. I had uh, Twilight t-shirts, tote bags, a lunchbox, a thermos. Um, I listened to all the soundtracks religiously. I went to all the opening night premieres of the movies. So this was very much like my whole personality. I did forget about the soundtracks. You know, I wasn't into Twilight, but I do remember the music being really, really it at that time. The soundtracks are so good. So good. And for whatever reason, I mean, I I get it because it's like a lot of different artists pulled together onto one album. It's really hard to find the whole album on like Spotify and Apple Music because like if you listen to it under the Twilight soundtrack, a lot of the Muse songs, you have to go to their actual like... Spotify page, like the artist's oh, page. Interesting. And I think because if you stream it through the Twilight soundtrack, they don't get as many of the royalties. Oh, that's interesting. Guess. I don't know. That's just my guess. But I've tried many times to listen to the albums since streaming has become more of the way to listen to music. And it's very hard to get them all. But yeah, if you've never listened to the soundtracks, oh, iconic, <laughs> incredible. Um, I remember I, when I still had a Facebook, very embarrassing I posted something so cringy. It was something along the lines of like, had the worst day of school ever, but Twilight made it better because the soundtrack came in the mail today. Oh, thanks for saving me, Twilight. Uh, I don't know what was the worst part about school that day. I probably just was inconvenienced by something. But yeah, I, I was a big, big Twilight fan. Was Alice for Halloween. Oh. Yeah. And 
but I definitely did go through that period after like being obsessed with it where I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cringy. That's like what like teenage, young teenagers like. <laughs> but I think coming from the two different perspectives we're coming from with Twilight, we want to preface too that like, we're not, we did not go into this judgmental. It's been 15 years <laughs> since I read Twilight. This was your first read of Twilight. So we wanted to keep an open mind despite how many years there have been since it came out. Yes, and definitely I kept reminding myself as I was reading the book, like, okay, this did come out in the mid-early 2000s. There is going to be some cringe. <laughs> the writing styles have changed. Styles have changed. Some of these tropes are outdated, but they were new at the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, every time she mentioned someone having, like, oh, his hair was so cute. It was spiky and gelled. I was like, <laughs> oh, gosh, this is so 2005. But yeah, like we very much are, we're both team, like let people like what they like. So Absolutely. we both went to it very open-minded. And I will say I did still like it. Not as much as I did the first time I read it, but I did still like it. I see why it's as popular as it was at the time and why it's still like remained something that like, we have a holds list currently for Twilight. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like I had to buy this copy because I had my copy checked out on my account and I went to renew it and it was being held for someone else. So I was like, oh no, I have to return it. I, and there's like eight people on hold for it. So I better just go buy a copy. Um, and I hate 15 year old me for being over Twilight and like donating all of my copies to a used bookstore because I had to buy a new one. <laughs> so I guess let's get into it. I guess starting from the top, what were your initial thoughts at like the beginning of the book? One of the first things that really stood out to me, because my background knowledge of Twilight was only the movies. I really prefer book Bella and Edward <sighs> compared to the movies. Like yes. I had mentioned to you earlier, the characters in the book are actually really funny yeah. and they have great banter. And in the movie, I feel like they're just so angsty and serious all the time. So it was really interesting to see how different the characters are, like, right from the beginning. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't remember what, like, 2008, 2009 was like because I was an angsty teen. So I think maybe they were trying to make them, like, angstier to relate more. But, yeah, like, looking back, they were just, like, kind of awkward and, like, annoying in some ways. I love, I love Robert Pattinson. I love Kristen Stewart. I love the work that they've done since Twilight. But... Yeah, like, shocking. I did not remember them being so witty and so funny and so sarcastic. And, like, they do. They have a lot of really good conversations. Yeah, definitely. And especially Bella, I found, in the movies, she seems very timid to me, very mm -hmm. shy. And in the book, she is very spunky and says what she's thinking and stands up for herself. So that was definitely a big surprise to me going in the beginning. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe because... Kristen Stewart, I think this was only, like, her second movie. It was definitely her breakout role. Like, this yeah. was the big thing for her. Um, Robert Pattinson had had Harry Potter under his belt. He was, um, oh, my gosh, I almost said Edward Cullen. Yeah, he is Edward Cullen. Um, Cedric Diggory. So he had kind of been in a major franchise, but he was obviously not the focus. I just don't know if maybe they were like too young of actors for them to like be able to push back a little bit on direction and say like, oh, that's not how I interpreted the character or like, I feel like Bella would say this. But yeah, they just, they're, they're totally different. Um, and I felt that way when I reread Hunger Games this year, that like book Katniss and movie Katniss are different. And I feel like it's even more glaring in Twilight. 
Yeah, absolutely. The other big thing I noticed, oh, I think we both talked about this. It took so long to find out why Bella moved. Yes, I had that in my notes. It's quite a ways into the book where we finally figure out why she moved. And I was wondering if we were ever going to get an answer to that or if it was just up to interpretation. Because It was a long time. I think I wrote down the page number. Uh, oh, yeah, page 49. 48 and 49. I wrote, we finally get why Bella moved. And I guess I'm okay with revealing it to Edward through conversation. But in the movie, that's like how it opens. Right. Is her moving. Yeah, I definitely was confused about that at the beginning. I was like, okay, she doesn't like Forks. She's never lived with her dad. Why is she coming here? It was very confusing at first. And she keeps alluding to like, well, I had to do this for my mom. Like, I want my mom to be happy. But like, we don't find out why, like, what is making her unhappy? Like, why can't she be with her mom? It was, it was a long wait to find out why Bella moved. And I could, I it's, it had been so long since I had read the book but had seen the movie more recently that I was like, when does this happen? When does this come up? Uh, <laughs> this is something I know we both agree on. Uh, we meet someone very early in the book who gave me an instant ick. Mike is one of the first characters we meet in the book. Bella is new to the high school. This was something that I found kind of confusing too. I thought she was starting at the beginning of the school year but then it snows like three days into the year. So I think it's like maybe they're coming back from winter break. I don't think we they ever really say because, yeah, I know when sort of the climax happens, it's sort of spring break time. So maybe like March-ish. Yeah. So that's everything goes down pretty quickly if that's the case. Yeah, it all definitely happens really fast. So I, and, and they don't ever really, yeah, they don't ever really define the time except yeah, near the end of the book, they do mention, like, oh, this is closed for spring break, but we'll get there. But, yeah, the, the sense of time was kind of thrown. But when she starts school, everybody's instantly, like, attracted to her because she's the new kid. And we meet Jessica, who she sort of befriends. I thought that their relationship in the movie was a little bit better than it was in the book. But I felt that way about a lot of our side characters. But Mike, Mike Newton, we meet really fast. And he immediately opens with flirting. And I was just like, Mike... Come on, man. Can't we be normal? Can't we just start this off by being, like, friendly but not, like... If I was sitting next to you in biology, I would have talked to you the whole time. I bet you would have, Mike. I bet you would have. Yeah, Mike was definitely something. And coming from a small town, that is absolutely how it goes. The new girl comes in and everybody wants to get to know her. Yep. But, yeah, I feel like Mike definitely had to be shut down a few times before he finally got the memo. I think probably at least three or four times Bella had to say, oh, I think Jessica likes you before he actually got it. Oh, and poor Jessica, who is like not also not shy about liking someone, is like very invested in Mike. And Mike is just like, Bella. And it's like, dude, poor Bella does not, has like explicitly told you, like not interested in going to the dance with you, not interested in going out to dinner with you. Mike, let's stop hurting our own feelings and move on. Oh yeah, and I wrote in my notes, ugh, Mike assuming Bella didn't understand the science lab. This guy drives me crazy. <laughs> there were just a few times. And again, like it's 2005. I think we might treat lead role, like female lead characters a little differently now. But I was just like, Mike, come on, man. Bella has, Bella listed all the books she had read in her old school. And I wrote them out because I was like, girl, are you in college? <laughs> I think you were in college in Phoenix. I can't remember where I wrote it down. But she had read like every book in their English class. She had done their, their biology stuff already. And he's like, oh, you understood it? I'm surprised. Like, come on now. 
Um, <laughs> when she first sees Edward with his gold eyes instead of the black eyes from him being hungry, I wrote, the number of times I looked online for butterscotch gold contacts in the 10th grade is embarrassing. Oh, no. I really, really wanted to have gold contacts so that I could put them in and be like, oh, look, I'm a Cullen. I needed to be stopped. Something I really was sad we didn't get in the movie more. When Charlie puts snow tires on Bella's car the first time it snows. I was like, I wish we had gotten more of Charlie, like more Charlie and Bella moments in the movie because he is such a good dad. We'll probably get into this more later, but Charlie is so sweet and he just, uh-huh. he deserves better. Yeah, and I think having only spent time with her in the summers for so many years, like he just didn't know how to interact, A, with a like a teenage girl, but especially someone who's his daughter, and B, he's lived alone for like, we get the impression that it's been like 10, 11 years since... Bella and Renee, her mom, have left. So that's a really long time to live alone. And especially with a teenage girl, like you don't know how to interact with people. <laughs> he seems like a kind of a closed off person anyway. Yeah, and so sweet getting her the truck first thing when she moves in because he knows yeah. she's going to want to go around and have her freedom. He's just such a sweet guy, it seems like. Yeah, he's so wholesome. So I wish we had gotten more of that. I feel like you kind of get a sense for Charlie's character in the movie, but it's much more of like stereotypical dad. Like I can, the, the scene I remember most clearly from the movie that I was glad was not in the book is when Charlie meets Edward for the first time and he's like cleaning a rifle. And you're just like, Charlie, Charles, stop yeah, that. And that definitely, it's not the same in the book, but he definitely does sort of interrogate him like the stereotypical dad move, like get her home early, mm-hmm. make sure you treat her well. Yeah, he's still very protective, but not like, Oh, don't mess with my girl or I'll shoot you. It's like, Charlie, what the heck? (laughs) Uh, I wrote another note. This is going to turn into a Mike Newton hater podcast when Bella says she's not going to the dance and he's so dejected. I'm just like, come on, Mike. Open your eyes, man. But that scene when I think it's three guys in a row ask her to the dance and she says no to all of them. Like, oh, sorry, I'm going out of town. I totally pulled that move in high school. Like, I'm not bold enough to say just outright no. I have to make an excuse. Yeah, I'll just hide in my house all day. It's fine. I'll just pretend I'm not here. And I don't think when that happens, I don't think we as the reader know yet that Edward can read minds. It's kind of alluded to, but we don't. Okay, yeah, because Bella doesn't know he's a vampire at that point. So it's alluded to that he like seems to hear conversations better or eavesdrops a lot yeah he's definitely chuckling after that happens so you kind of get a sense that he knows just like oh edward you little sneaky i said bella needs glasses or a ct scan there's got to be a better reason for why she trips and falls all the time oh i definitely had that in my notes as well i feel like it was kind of a trope around this era of like oh the ditzy clumsy girl she just She's so fragile and she falls down all the time. Yep, and she needs a big strong man to like put his arm around her and keep her from falling all over the place. I don't know if it was like, I don't know that Bella necessarily falls into like the manic pixie dream girl stereotype, but definitely like the clumsy, klutzy, like, oh no, I'm so awkward kind of like trope is so, so early 2000s. Yeah, we're definitely not seeing that as much anymore, but that was of the moment. That was very common yeah i'm glad that's gone away because like you can be awkward and clumsy but like for that to be your whole personality is it It, gets old throughout the book is like her main personality trait yeah and and i mean obviously when we get to the end like it builds up like there's a good reason why she is that way but you're just like my gosh is she okay can she see 
Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Another question I had in my notes around this time in the story is, why is this book called Twilight? And we do eventually find out, but for the first half of this book, I was like, okay, why is it called that? <laughs> and then we find out, and I, for a second, I was like, I almost feel like it gets overdone, because once they say Twilight for the first time, once Edward's like, oh, it's Twilight, and they're like, oh, they said the name of the book. <laughs> then it's like three more times within the span of like the last hundred pages of the book. And you're like, oh no, okay. We get we got it. it now. We got it now. It's called Twilight. But also looking at the cover of mine and the cover of yours, we both have a movie um, edition, which I was very bummed about. I wanted to have the apple cover. I was curious, what's up with the apple? We don't ever get any apples in the book, do we? We get one very brief moment and they did it a lot better in the movie, but she like... It's when they eat lunch together, but they go through the line together for the first time. And he's like, pick out whatever you want. She puts like a slice of pizza on her tray and an apple and it like rolls off and he kind of like holds it. And they made the cover off of that small little moment. I think so. Or like, I I think because the um, at the beginning of the book, there's a, let me see, is it a Bible quote? Yeah, it's a quote from Genesis. So I think it's supposed to be like Adam and Eve, like oh, I Edward's see. The Temptation. So he's the apple? Or is Bella the temptation because... Are they both? Oh. (laughs) He's so attractive that she knows, like, this is bad for me. Like, I shouldn't go for this person. I know this bad thing about him. But, like, it's too tempting because he's beautiful. Right. And Bella, we got to... And he knows she's a human. It would be bad for him to be with her, but he can't help himself. Oh, they're both the apple. (gasps) Fun revelation. I cannot explain the other covers because New Moon is like a flower. I don't know what kind, but it's just a flower. Um, Eclipse is like an unraveling ribbon, Hmm. which like no one's relationships unraveling really at this point. I don't know. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. And then uh, Breaking Dawn is like a chess piece. I want to say it's a king, but I can't remember. Um, So I don't know. I'm not sure, but I was bummed to get the movie cover. The L is like... A dagger? A candle? Oh, I never really thought much about what that is, but I wonder if it is a dagger leading into that whole vampire thing. But daggers aren't really much of... They're not in this book very Mm -hmm. much. Is it a fang? But he doesn't have fangs. It's weird. I was wondering. He doesn't have fangs. I don't think they're supposed to. Okay. Because they smile a lot. Yeah. If I were trying to hide that I was a vampire, the first thing I would do was close my mouth. (laughs) If I have fangs. Um, no, I get the impression that they like are like they have normal human mouths, <laughs> which is a weird <laughs> way to phrase that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at the cover now, and I'm like, I don't know why the L is like that. Huh? That's weird. I that distracted me. I don't even know where we were. Um, okay. Well, another note I had around this point in the book is where is Jacob? Mm-hmm. Like you. Whenever you think of Twilight, I think of Bella, Edward, and Jacob, and he's hardly in this book at all. Yeah, he's very much a side character in the first book, but in the movie, he's a lot more prominent. And I yeah. wrote a note somewhere, uh, I'll have to see if I can find it, but I I liked the relationship between Bella and Jacob in the movie better than I did in the book. Oh, I, yeah, there it is. Um, book Bella feels bad for flirting with Jacob mm. at one point, and I get it, it was manipulative, like... The way it reads is manipulative and Bella acknowledges that it was manipulative. But in the movie, they were like childhood friends and she remembers being childhood friends, which also kind of confused me at one point because like how long has it been since she's been to Forks for a summer 
And, like, how old were you when you stopped hanging out? Charlie and um, Billy are supposed to be really good friends. How long has it been since you guys haven't hung out that you don't remember him at all? Yeah, it seemed to me that she didn't really know Jacob when he first shows up. Mm -mm. Um, And something else that was surprising to me is that he's supposed to be a couple of years younger than Bella and Edward. Yeah. So, especially, too, that flirting scene gave me weird power dynamic yeah icky feeling that like oh she's she's the new girl she's like his childhood friend but also she's a bit older so it feels a little icky that she's trying to flirt with him to get information especially if in the book i think he's 15 so like yeah. he's a young kid like that's kind of unfair to like flirt with him and like use that to get information about like vampires and like what might be going on with edward out of him where in the movie they're like they, they, she remembers them being childhood friends, and when he shows up for the first time, she's like, oh my gosh, Jacob, like, you've grown up so much. And I think they only have, like, a year's difference between the two of them. And so I get in the movie where, like, it would be a little bit easier to manipulate Jacob because he's, like, it's a childhood crush. He's been in love with Bella since they were kids. Like, you can tell, and she can tell it's very obvious to her. So I guess the movie relationship felt less like guilt laden to me and like a little less manipulative because like, well, we've known each other a really long time. Like he trusts me to tell me these legends and to tell me these, like what we find out is like a pact between the vampires and the Quellulite tribe. So I don't know. It's uh, that relationship is so weird. And I feel like in the book, he's just not featured enough. Like his role. I think maybe they're building up the movie for his role in new moon. Yeah, definitely. Especially towards the end of this book, it sort of hints that, like, okay, he's going to be more in the picture after this. Yeah, we're going to see Jacob again and, like, probably in a more prominent role. But going off of that, Jacob is sort of the start of how Bella finds out about the vampires. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should talk about that, about her finding out. Yeah. So this is a fun scene that I think translates really well from the book to the movie. Um, where they're at the beach and they're taking a walk and she kind of in the book manipulates him to tell her these like tribal lores that they have that he doesn't quite buy into, which I liked. I like that he doesn't believe it. That was so surprising to me. I'm like, how, I'm sure we'll find out in the next book. I don't know, but how does he not know? Yeah, I, it's, it is, it's, I don't want to spoil it for you because if you're going to keep going, it does like start to unravel in the next book. Um, but yeah, it's this, like, I think it's being a kid or, like, being far enough removed from, like, the generations that told these lores that you're just, like, these are just old stories. It's just, like, goofy old stories that my dad tells and my grandpa told and, like, I don't really buy into it. I've never seen proof of it, but they're fun stories to tell. It's, like, a, I mean, he treats it like a fun campfire story. Yeah, pretty much. Which I enjoyed because, of course, that's where you exchange scary stories. Yeah, but this, it starts to get the ball rolling for Bella where she starts to make these connections like, oh, his eyes are different colors sometimes at school and he's really fast and I have no explanation for that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the tribe calls the vampires the cold ones and a couple yes. of times they have like brushed hands, she's noticed he's like way colder than, you know, even just a normal person being outside in the snow. I love, yeah, I love that buildup. Not to keep comparing the book to the movie, but I do feel like in the movie, it was very dramatic for her, and she seemed kind of scared when she found out that he was a vampire. But in the book, she seems much more chill about it, and she's very accepting of it right from the beginning, which 
I don't know about some of my notes were like Bella maybe be a little more concerned about this he is dangerous have some questions at least yeah I wrote a note in here somewhere too that like yeah that that scene where she finds out that he's a vampire in the movie is silly like it's kind of silly I can just picture, I think it's in the trailer where he like comes up behind her and he's like, say it, say what I am. And she's like, vampire. Yes, I was waiting for that in the book and it doesn't happen like that. No, and I kind of like that it's less silly in the book, like that they get to have this like long talk on the drive home from Port Angeles where like she kind of hints that like there's some little pieces of the puzzle she started to put together and then he fills in the gaps a little bit and she's like, okay, I'm on to this, like I'm on the right track. So then the other thing about this drive back from Port Angeles where she and Edward kind of like come to the conclusion together that like, okay, you know what I am. Now we've also kind of like, okay, and we're also kind of dating. We're kind of in a relationship. And when they get back to school, I literally wrote this quote down word for word. Mike says, you and Cullen, huh? I don't like it. And I was like, all right, I'm back to hating Mike. (laughs) I can't. I just... There's a scene right before that where I said, maybe I'm being too hard on him. I remember what it's like to be a teen and to have a crush and to be anxious about dating and fitting in. And like, maybe I need to cut him a little slack because I'm an adult now and I'm like, oh my gosh, Mike, just relax, man. It'll come. If if it's meant to be, it'll be. And then he says that and I'm like, Mike, why are we calling Edward by his last name? I've always found that aggressive, but also I don't like it. You don't have to. (laughs) You don't have to like it. And then I know you commented on this there's a mention right after that scene of Bella saying she misses, and I quote, brown. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> we need to talk about the Arizonan representation in this book because it feels wrong. <laughs> it's completely, it feels totally wrong. And as someone who, and I mean, you know too, as someone who's not originally from here, as a teen reading this for the first time, I didn't appreciate that. But now having lived here for a few years, I'm like, oh, what I wouldn't give to see real grass. Yeah, I definitely marked it throughout the book. There are several times where she says, oh, it's too green outside. It's too wet. I wish I missed the dry air. And I just can't relate. I can't relate. You mean that you miss when it's 120 and it is so dry you get a nosebleed? I doubt it. I doubt you miss that that much. She brings it up so much. Yeah, I just can't imagine walking into a lush, beautiful forest and saying, oh, it's too green. There's just too much, too many trees, too much moss, like too much grass. Bella, we have plastic grass here. Like, people put plastic grass in their yard to feel like they are in the green. And you're telling me you don't like the green? I don't believe it. No, that that was a hard sell for me. <laughs> and, and Stephanie Meyer, it's funny because I did a little bit of Googling. I thought that she was from Arizona. She lives in Arizona, but she's originally from Connecticut. Okay. So she has lived in both the green place and the brown place. And you're telling me... I mean, I love Arizona, don't get me wrong, but you're telling me that you would rather have sand and dirt than trees and grass? Especially when she's still so new to Forks. Like, you think she would still be, like, so excited to be in a new environment, but she really is not. No, she hates it. And I get, you know, being, like, having to adjust to the cold, having to adjust to how wet it is all the time. Like, we don't get as much rain as the Pacific Northwest does, but... Hating it is strange. The other thing that I know we've both mentioned, uh, it happens right after the scene where she's like, I, w- I miss brown. I want desert. I'm like, you don't. There are 
several mentions of suicidality in this book. Right from the beginning of the book and all throughout there are. And I know people talked more like that back in that time. Like now we're a bit more conscious of mental health and don't really joke about that but it is a lot yeah they bring it up a lot and it's like you said it's 2005 i think we treated mental health differently then but like she says she's depressed a couple of times and i remember being a teenager and being like oh i'm so depressed and like i wasn't actually i was disappointed or i was bummed or i was like sad about something for a few days but it's different than depression but there are a couple times where they directly say like well, don't kill yourself, Bella. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the first page I marked it on was 35, and she is talking about how her dad doesn't lock up his gun in the house because <sighs> he's not worried that she's going to shoot herself. Um, and I just marked that because I was like, whoa. It's, and that, and it's literally, it literally says, because he knows I won't shoot myself. I was like, whoa, it's shocking. Yeah, and I mean, it is just sort of the time that we live in that, like, People don't talk like that and joke about that anymore because no. it is so prevalent in our society. So it is shocking to read a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it's a little weird. And then the second mention of it is on 255. That's very helpful, Bella. He snaps. Um, I pretend I don't hear that. Are you so depressed by Forks that it's made you suicidal? He demands when I ignore him. I was like, oh my gosh, what? It's just, I don't know. I've, like we said, it's a different time. We treated mental health differently then. Um, but yeah, reading that like 18 years after the book is published, it's like, whoa, we treat mental health so differently now. And you kind of forget that like less than 20 years ago, we were joking about stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's kind of, it's a little yucky. Absolutely. But also to jump sort of right to the end, it is kind of almost a theme in this series. When Bella starts talking to Edward about wanting to be turned into a vampire, like it is sort of a discussion about death because it is ending her life as a human. So oh, that's true. Throughout the book, she is talking about death, but it kind of changes into oh. yeah, that being turned into a vampire, which we we know she will eventually. Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, it does kind of morph from this like half joking about like, do you hate it here so much you want to die to like, do you want to be with Edward so badly that you want to end your human life and like purposefully like there is intention there you don't just like he's not just going to accidentally turn you into a vampire oh i didn't even think of it that way yeah and like i'm literally jumping right to the end we'll go back a little bit but this book ends on a cliffhanger mm -hmm. if you don't know where it goes like he presses his lips to her neck and you don't know what happens like i don't know if you know the story you know that that doesn't happen right just that yet but it's kind of on your mind like oh is it going to happen? They're talking about it. It mm -hmm. might happen. Yeah. And at, at this point in the series, Edward is very staunchly like, no, I will like let you grow old. I will still be there if you want me there. But like Bella is determined. Like she knows she, she understands the reality of like, he's never going to age and I age every single day. Yeah. So at some point, like I'm going to try to push him to make this decision because it's what I want. And it's like, I'm going to keep getting older and he's not. So, oh, I never thought about how that is kind of like all the references to like ending her life. She does have to make that call. Ooh, that's heavy. <laughs> and to continue on the note of death, I think we should talk about Edward's family a little bit because 
some like something interesting about their family is they all were turned to vampires to save their life because they were in some sort of life-threatening situation Mm -hmm. they were turned to vampires to continue on their not life i guess because their human life has ended but living as vampires yeah and i i wish that they went into it a little bit more in the book i don't remember if they go into it too much in the movie but we do learn in the book that carlisle turns edward because he's got the spanish influenza Um, His family has already died of the same thing. And so Edward is very, very sick and is probably going to die. But we don't really talk much about, like, the relationship that Carlisle built with Edward when he meets him as a human that would make him want to, like, keep him alive. Or, I guess, as a vampire. I assumed that he was his doctor and saw, like, oh, this kid's an orphan. His family has died. Yeah. Like... And also, Carlisle has been alone for a long time up until that point, so he has been thinking about turning someone just to have a companion. Yeah, they do mention that, that he's, like, been super lonely, and it's been hundreds of years that he's been by himself, and so I almost wonder if that plays into it a little bit, too, like, Edward's refusal to turn Bella, because obviously he didn't have a choice, but his other alternative was to die. Um, But Carlisle kind of does it out of selfish intent. Like, he just wants a buddy. Yeah, well, and that kind of goes back to the reason the family is accepting of Bella, because they're all coupled up in his family except for him, and finally he's found someone he's interested in, and it is controversial that she's a human, but they're just happy that he's found someone. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how Rosalie was in... We don't learn why in this book Rosalie was turned, but we do eventually. I won't spoil it for you. Um... But we do learn that it was because he intended for Rosalie, Carlisle intended for Rosalie to be Edward's mate and like for them to be a good match. And it just doesn't ever really pan out. Right. Which in this book, they kind of leave it at that. And I think it's meant to make you think like Rosalie is jealous of Bella and like maybe that's why she's so resentful. Because Edward has, like, taken to her as a partner. Oh, I didn't really get that jealousy part because, like, oh, she's with Emmett. They're married, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I never thought, like, weird. I never thought about that, that she might be jealous. But that's interesting. Maybe because I read this as a teen. Like, that was my initial view was, like, oh, well, he's finally, like, she was picked for him. Regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not she's with him now, she was picked to be his. And because he rejected her in that way... And is now gravitating towards, like, A, a a human who, you know, some vampires in the book already think are inferior because they're not vampires. And B, someone who is sort of, I mean, from Edward's perspective, Bella's not ordinary. Um, But Bella describes herself as ordinary and everybody describes Rosalie as this, like, statuesque, like, goddess model type of person. So... I guess I maybe it was just like a teen perspective of like, oh, well, she's got to be jealous that Edward chose her. That is very interesting. Oh, that's fun. Well, and in keeping on the theme of Edward and choices, page 264, we, this is when, this is post sparkle, <laughs> which I didn't take any notes about. I think because when I watched when I read the book for the first time and I found out he sparkled, I was like, oh, beautiful, a diamond man. Um, so it didn't, it didn't even really occur to me now all these years later. But after he unveils the sparkling, he like goes into just like a rampage 
Um, he's like tearing through the forest. He's telling Bella about how he's like faster than her and stronger than her. And like, if he wanted to kill her, she couldn't even fight him off. And as a teen, I think I thought like, oh, poor Edward. He's trying to show her like, this is not good. Like we are not good for each other. Like this is why I'm like not good for you. And as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is toxic. This is a little scary. Yes, I absolutely have that in my notes as well. Just his, he mentions it several times throughout the book, his temper and that sometimes he can't control his temper. And he's also quite possessive of Bella, especially towards the end of the book. Um, yeah, so that's definitely throughout my notes. He's a big red flag to me as an adult, but I can see if I had read this as a teenager, I might have been like, oh, he's just, he loves her so much. Yeah, and I also think as a teenager, I wanted to like attribute it to like old fashioned sentimentalities. Like he is supposed to be like a 1900s man, but he's lived through so many decades of time and he talks about that. And so I'm just like, well, if it is 1900 sentimentalities of like, well, I'm like my wife or my partner is my person, like, or I'm a teenager and like I'm possessive of my partner because I'm a teenage boy and I, that's just my hormones are raging. That's fine, but you're 102 or something. It's like, Edward, we're being a little, the running around the forest and being like, I could pin you down. I could run faster than you. I could break you apart I'm just like oh Edward stop like I know you're trying to scare her to show her like I am not good for you you need to like stop this like romanticizing of being in love with a vampire but I was like oh we could have done it maybe in a different way that's scary yeah and she does call him out on it at one point I didn't I don't think I marked the page but she says something like I don't always want to be Lois Lane sometimes I want to be Superman Mm -hmm. and I was like Oh, I love that she stood up for herself and was like, I don't always want you to be the one saving me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's near the end that she is like, turn me into a vampire because then it's not you constantly having to save me from these like perilous situations I find myself in. Um, yeah, I just, I don't want to think Edward's a bad character because I do, there are times where I like his character and I, again, like I like the book, but there were just some, there were some things that as a teenager I thought was probably really romantic. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, Edward, we're being a little toxic. Yeah, and their relationship I, it is very like the insta-love trope. Like immediately they are in love with each other. And throughout my notes, I'm just asking the question like, okay, but why does he love her? Why does she like him? Mm-hmm. Because we don't really get any of that like building of the relationship. It's like immediately they are in love. And I think that the book, I wrote I wrote this as a note, actually, that I think the book did it a little bit better than the movie. Um, they have a scene where, oh, it's after we find out that Edward's been spying on Bella in her sleep, which is another red flag. But um, I think this was kind of altered for the movie. After that scene is kind of unveiled to us, um, Bella, like, pretends she's going to bed early and, like, puts on this whole show for Charlie and then goes upstairs and, like, Edward's in her room already and they spend all night, like, talking and learning more about each other and asking each other questions. And I liked that. I thought that, I mean, it's a teen relationship, so I thought a lot of the questions were a little shallow. Like, well, what's your favorite color? And I was just <laughs> like, Edward, come on, man. You're, like, 103. Let's ask something deeper. Trauma <laughs> bond. Come on, man. Um, but... I don't really think that we get that in the movie, or if we do, it's very altered. It's very short. Um, So I thought there was a little bit of a better building of their relationship in the book, but yeah, it's very much like 
you smelled good to me and I thought your face was really nice and now we're dating. Yes. Which is very high school, but it is, it is. <laughs> it was definitely a little uh a little rushed. This is also changed from the book to the movie, but I was so glad. The first time that he like puts her on his back to run with her, in the book he calls she's like afraid to do it. She's like, "No, no, I don't like you run fast. I'm scared." And he he says, "Come on, little coward." <laughs> 